Ladies and gentlemen, as you get ready to catch your new episode of Shooting the Lights Out, we'd like to let you know that the Playmakers Body and Shooting the Lights Out is sponsored by Fanatics. Get your official license, everything at fanatics.com, including LSU National Championship gear, t shirt, hat, bandana, as well as the UConn Huskies Men Basketball Champions hat, t shirts, banner, as well at fanatics.com. Student Life is also sponsored by Lids. And with Lids.com, you can get the same thing with Lids.com with your LSU Tigers National Championship gear. With the promo code Lids24, you can get free shipping over orders over $24 in the United States, as well as for those of you who are UConn fans, for the men's side, same thing with Lids.com. Locker rooms by Lids. Get your championship gear, whether you're an LSU Tiger fan or a UConn fan, we either Fanatics or Lids. Now, Let's get ready for shooting the lights out. Hey, ladies and gentlemen, how y'all doing today? How y'all doing today? April 5th, 2023. You see me, you see me here. The Playmaker Dinosaur is here for your brand new episode of Shooting Lights Out. We got a recap. College basketball, women's championship game, the men's championship game. And then we're going to turn our full attention to the NBA as the NBA season is getting ready to wind down. And we got some spots to be clinched and get ready for the play in the playoffs. So that's how we're going to do it. As you catch the opening part of it, get your championship gear. If you're the LSU Tiger fan, if you're a UConn Husky fan, get your championship gear with either Fanatics or Lids. Take advantage of the Lids deal with free shipping over orders over $24 because it's a great deal. Take advantage of that. So. With me bringing that up, let's go ahead and jump into it because uh, women's college basketball is over. College basketball period is over for the time being, but we're going to begin with the women's. And we're going to start off with the final four. You had the three seed, LSU taking on a one seed, Virginia Tech, and a very tight contested game, 79-72. The Tigers of LSU held the Virginia Tech Hokies to 13 points in the fourth quarter. They outscored them 29 to 13 in the fourth quarter to win by seven. It was a remarkable performance by the Tigers, especially in that fourth quarter. You see here, uh, LSU shot 47% from the field to Virginia Tech's 40. Both teams shot under 30% from three, but Virginia Tech shooting 29% from three and LSU shooting 23% from three. It was Surprisingly, Virginia Tech out rebounded LSU by two, 38 to 36. Nevertheless, turnovers, turnovers, you can be concerned the difference in this one. Virginia Tech had 18 turnovers to only seven for LSU. LSU had 11 steals of the 18 turnovers committed by Virginia Tech. It it was a game, it was a back and forth affair game. And then defense, I told y'all. LSU likes to play deep, and then the fourth quarter locked the Hogies down, 29-13 in the fourth quarter. Like, the scoring off it. Matter of fact, they held Virginia Tech to 13 points in two quarters, the first quarter and the last quarter. When it's time to play defense, LSU shows up to play defense. Something about the SEC and defense reigns true with the medicines, football or basketball. A uh, SEC team is going to play defense. No matter what sport it is, they're going to play defense. And that's what LSU showed. They needed to show it in the fourth quarter. Held the Virginia Tech Hogies to 13 points in the fourth quarter. 
and they did it twice because they did it in the first quarter as well. So shout out to them. Alexis Morris led the way with 27 points. Angel Reese had her 33rd double-double of the season with 24 points and 12 boys. It was a very group effort by the two stars of them, and they did their thing. And then the night cap of that week, as we all know, it was number two, Iowa versus number one. Caitlin Clark versus Aaliyah Boston. The Hawkeyes versus the defending champs, and we all saw it. The most watched Final Four game of the whole week, and I told y'all that, and it proved to be true. Kaylin Clark and the Iowa Hawkeyes perfectly ended the undefeated streak and purposely, you know, the South Carolina Gamecocks. Kaitlyn Clark was just spectacular. 41 points. She had six boys and eight assists. She scored more than half of their points to knock off number one. Aaliyah Boston had, had, had probably her worst game of her career. She only had eight points and 10 boards. Zion Cook, she tried everything to keep him in it with 24 points, but Caitlin Clark was just on another level. And the player of the year proved, proved to be that the player of the year out doing the best team. So that ended up happening. Which brings us to the championship game that took place on Sunday. Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. Oh, what a performance by the LSU Tigers. As you can see, the box score. The Lady Tigers were on it. And it was the others of the Tigers that got it done versus the stars of the Tigers. Because let's be honest, let's get this out of the way. The officiating for the game was ridiculous. It was ridiculous. You're telling me Alexis Morris get two fouls out of nowhere. Andrew Reese got two fouls out of nowhere. Those both are LSU stars. And then, you know, Monica Sinano got two fouls. Clayton McCart got two fouls out of nowhere. And, and Warnock got two fouls out of nowhere. It's like, well, damn. All the stars are on the bench with two fouls. That's why I said the others to when I first brought it up, the others. Because Jasmine Carson, ladies and gentlemen, 21 points in the first half. She was five from five on three, seven from seven from the field, including the buzzing beating three before the half. It was ridiculous. Before you knew it, LSU was up seven. Team at halftime without injuries touching the second quarter with Alexis Moore is also on the bench because he picked up second foul early in the second quarter. It was amazing to watch the bench of LSU come up humongous. Jasmine Carson, I'm giving you your flowers because you deserve you put on a first half performance that hasn't been done. I don't think it has ever been done in the women's tournament. And I don't remember the last time a men, somebody in the men's tournament had a performance like that in the first half. It was remarkable. She was unconscious. She did not care. And the thing is, they, Caitlin Clark and Iowa tried that same type of defense that they did to South Carolina, which was very disrespectful, by the way. And we're going to get to that and what all this other stuff. But Jasmine Clark, Jasmine Carson made her pay. Seven from seven from the field, five on five from three. She made Iowa pay for that defense. She made them pay for that defense because, like, y'all is not going to treat us like y'all did South Carolina. And it paid, and it paid off tremendously for LSU. That was the first half. And then Alexis Morris came in in the second half and put and went to work. So all, all 21 of both pumpers in the second half, eight from 14 from the field, one from three, from the three point range, nine assists, 21 points on 21 points. To lead the way to the 102-85 win over Iowa and the LSU Tigers. National champions. First time in program history, neither men or women to bring home a basketball championship. And Kim Mulkey, Angel Reese, and the Lady Tigers of LSU have done it. They have brought the first one. We know, we know the LSU Tigers in football, they got a couple of national championships, but they never had one in basketball until Kim Mulkey got there along with Angel Reese in the group. What a spectacular thing it was in Dallas. 
Angel Reese, 15 points, 10 boards, 5 assists. Ladaza Williams, 20 points. They go with 5 boards. It was a total team effort. Caitlin Clark in a losing effort, 30 points, 8 assists. Monica Sonato, 15 points, 6, uh, 13 points, 6 boards before fouling out of the game. Uh, Gabriel Marshall, she did not have her, she did not have that shooting performance that she normally has. She only gave you 12 points. Uh, Martin only gave you 13 points in a losing effort for Iowa. It was remarkable to see the LSU Tigers do what they do. It was a true blessing. But now we get to what's been talked about. Because a lot of this has been, first of all, let me say this. LSU-Iowa NCAA Women's Championship game draws record TV audience. Okay. 9.9 million viewers on ABC and ESPN, meaning they watched it exactly on TV on the station that they were showing. In total, we talking 12.6 if you including the streaming apps of ESPN, ESPN Plus. You saying 12.6 million people watch Sunday's national championship game. 9.9 watch it on the regular channel, which is ABC and ESPN2, and the other and the others watch it through streaming. That is a 103% jump from last year when South Carolina defeated UConn when it averaged 4.85 million on ESPN and ESPN2. The women game got the much needed exposure that they deserved. This is part of the reason why I was covering the women's college basketball because they don't get enough exposure. And as you can see, they are getting the exposure because that is the record numbers. And the women's tournament was better than the men's tournament for two years in a row. I'll say last year, the women's tournament, South Carolina defeating UConn, that tournament was better than the men's tournament last year. What people expect to happen in the men's, it happened in the women's, and the women's is more, it was more interesting. This tournament was definitely more interesting than the men's, despite you having the fact that you had three new three new bloods making the final four in the men's. This is what could we got the message that we wanted. We got the dominant team in the country in South Carolina. Against the most dumb, the most recognizable player in the women's game, Caitlin Clark. Caitlin Clark came out on top. The second dominant team in LSU took to the championship game and they took out Clayton Clark. It was amazing to watch. The women is getting they just do, but at the same time, they are getting flack as well. Because as you see here, even though you read the title. I was Kate Clark says only LSU should be the right one, and I totally 100% agree with her, and everybody else do too. Because Mrs. Biden, our first lady, let me press my comment by saying, I love where your heart is at. I truly love where your heart is at, Mrs. Biden. I really do, first lady. I love it. Because you want to recognize, you want also want to recognize Iowa for their part in making his history for the women's game of basketball. I understand. Definitely understand. But the visit to the White House are for champions. And LSU are the champions, not Iowa. So for Clayton Carter to come on Sports Center and say it's for LSU only to visit, I truly respect her. Not as much more than what she said when I get to the next one, because it does involve her and Angel Reese. But I truly am thankful that Clayton Clark is doing the right thing here. We should not be able to visit. LSU won. They done it. They came out on top. They at the top of the mountain. It's their White House to visit, not ours. Especially for the head coach, too. Her name is just escaping right now, but the head coach said the same thing. She's grateful that the first lady recognized the accomplishment that Iowa achieved, but it is for Kim Markey and the LSU Tigers to visit the White House, not us. Very thankful for that. And to King on with Kate Nakar, who also is, was named the Wood, the Wood Smith Player of the Year. And she was already the Player of the Year. She won the Naismith Player of the Year. Now she won the Wooden Award Player of the Year. This thing between her and Angel Reese. 
you know, injury spot of her run as the winning seconds led off in the game as LSU captured their title win about 17. And she, uh, you can't see me. You can't see me. So Clayton Carton said, check that out. That ring is coming. That ring is coming to Baton Rouge, not to Iowa City. You know, Clayton and Clark handled it very well. Let me tell you right now. If you wasn't a fan of Clayton and Clark, you are a fan of Clayton and Clark now, of how she handled the thing with Angel Reese, how she handled what our first lady, Jim Biden, has said about having both LSU and Iowa. You have she she's I would say I would say I said it in the comments and on social media, I'm gonna say it here. Kayla Clark's a G in this thing, man. I don't care what y'all say. She a G to me. To me, she a G. Okay. She brings the swagger, she brings the attitude, she brings all that. People remind her of Steph Curry of the women's game. But off the court is where is where is when you win most of your fans at. Your real fans, because she appreciates the honor that the first lady has said. Cool. But you know, we didn't win it. It's not, we should not be able to show it to the White House when LSU won the whole thing. We honored. We are honored that the first lady feels that way about us, but that is LSU's. She won a woman parody and she came in. She defended injuries. If I can find it, it's not on here. Okay. And she came to defend injury because people was throwing throwing flack at injuries because she did this and this to Kate and Clark personally. And she said, uh, injuries doesn't deserve to be criticized for what she did. She respects the fact that Angel Reese did what she did. Matter of fact, I have the article right here. It says, quote, Iowa guard Kate Nicklaus said LSU for Angel Reese doesn't deserve criticism for any actions from Sunday's women's basketball national championship game and that only the Tigers should visit the White House because that's for LSU. It says Clark appeared on Sports Center Tuesday after being announced the winner of the Wooden Award and was asked by ESPN Jeremy Shad about the controversy surrounding Reese making a you can't see me gesture and pointing to her ring finger during the closing moments of the national championship game, all of it seemingly directed to Clark. This is what Kate and Clark said. Crow, I don't think Angel should be criticized at all. I'm just one that competes. She competed. I think everybody knows there is there was going to be a little trash talk in the entire tournament. It's not just me and Angel. We are all competitors. We all show our emotions in different ways. You know, Angel is tremendous, tremendous player. I have nothing but respect for her. I love her game. I love the way she rebounds the ball, scores the ball, and is absolutely incredible. I'm a big fan of her and even the entire LSU team. They played an amazing game. Close quote. That right there is the reason why Kate McClark is RB, who might end up being my favorite player going into next season. She understands the game. She understands our most as a part of because guess what? She was dishing it out herself. She gave Haley Van Lit the little part of the You Can't See Me when they played in the Elite Eight and Iowa took them down. She let South Carolina know, hey, y'all down 15. Why are y'all talking to me? She let she let the big bad girls know, hey, I'm kicking y'all butt. Why are y'all speaking to me? Caitlin Clark brings that swagger to the game, and Angel Reese gave it back to her. And people were up in an uproar that Angel Reese gave it back to her because the game was in hand. It's not sportsmanship, but we know Caitlin Clark can bring emotions to the game as well. And nobody and everybody praise her. Let's be real. I love Caitlin Clark defending Angel. I love it because he's saying, if y'all going to praise me, y'all going to praise Angel Reese too. It's a national championship game. This is for all the marbles. This to be crowned the top of the women's basketball landscape. Angel Reese team came out on top. Kate McClark's did. The leader of the Iowa Hawkeyes is Kate McClark. The leader of the LSU Tigers is Angel Reese. And by the way, despite her having 15 and 10, when a lot of people looked at it, she didn't do nothing. That was Angel Reese's 34th double-double of the season out of 39 games. The most double-double in NCAA 
history in a single season. Men or women. Put some respect on injuries' name. And as Alexis Moore said in the press game after winning the national championship, she respects Caitlin Clark. She played a tremendous game. But Caitlin Clark got some put some some respect on Alexis Morris's name, and she got to put some respect on LSU name, which she did. So all this going at Angel Reese can officially start because the best player in the game, which is Caitlin Clark, said, "Don't criticize her. That's trash talk that happens in this game. Let it happen." Enjoyed the show because it was a show and was one of the best tournaments I've watched in a quite some time. Thank you, ladies, for a tremendous tournament this year. Y'all showcase y'all brilliance and y'all abilities in this game. Caitlin Clark, you is truly the best player in the women's basketball game. No one can doubt that. I will say this, though, coming into next season, you will, will be the best player going into next season. But there will be a Pace Becker that's coming back for a UConn team. And I pray that UConn team that's disappointed that they got ousted in the in a Sweet 16 by Ohio State. They're going to come back with a vengeance. We're going to see what Don Sater does with her South Carolina game. Because just about all her seniors are going. Those, and those were the ones they depend on. Angel Reese will be back as well. But LSU is missing some key places. So we're going to see when that shit gets it. But. It was a fun season. It was a great tournament to cover. I am thankful that I got to do my best with the resource that I have at the moment to cover the women's tournament as well as the men's tournament, but I'll get to that after the break. But great job. We're going to continue on with our – speaking of the more Alexis Morris, LSU Morris, South Carolina's Bill, A here, ain't here, among groups opting for WBA draft. LSU Alexis Morris and LaDasia – Williamson, as well as South Carolina Zion Cook, Bree Bell, and Leticia M. Here have declared for the 2023 WBA draft. The players announced Tuesday on social media. So LSU is going to look a little bit different. South Carolina definitely going to look different. Those were two teams, both on the SEC. Both teams made it to the Final Four. So both teams are going to look different. Let's see what Don Staley does to recuperate her team and get back to on top of the mountain. And we'll see how Kim Mercury recruits, even though she's keeping Angel Reese for another year. Uh, and this one we have right here. Congratulations to Daniel. ESPN 9371615551. Congratulations to Daniel for winning the Shooting the Lights Out bracket challenge for the women's. Uh, Mr. Daniel, when you, whenever you hear this or when you get word of this, Find me, send me a message through Facebook or any social media platform that you have, or you can email our personal, or you can email our uh, email us at thepipemakersbar.gmail.com so I can get your information, so I can send you your prize. You have one, you you won the prize. So, as well, Johnny Whistleblade, if you can message me as well. So I can send you something for coming second as well. It was a great tournament. It was an interesting time, as you see. The top four, the top four, which includes myself at third, pitched South Carolina winning. It's just a matter of what final four teams we had in it. Uh, I lost, I lost two of my final four teams. No, I lost. Yeah, I lost two of my final four teams. That I had UConn. No, I had lost one. I, lost, I had uh, UConn going to the final four, but they got out in the Sweet Sixteen. And that kind of that would that would pretty much did me in. Also, I had some, that's pretty much what did me in, and I had him in the championship game against South Carolina. So, but if Johnny, Weasel and Daniel can uh, email me or find me on social media, I truly appreciate. It. I can see I can get the information that I need to get from you. Send y'all y'all prizes, especially to Daniel who have won the ultimate prize. So. Whatever you get a hold of this, message me so we can get the information that we need so we can send you your prize. And once again, congratulations to the LSU Tigers and especially to Kim Mulkey, the first coach in NCAA tournament to take two teams to national championship games in a women's game. Congratulations, Kim Mulkey. Congratulations, Angel Reese and the LSU Tigers. You are champions. A break, and we go to the men's side. 
Welcome to Ringside Chaos, the professional wrestling discussion segment of the Bear of Texas podcast. The only professional wrestling podcast in the world where pro wrestling is discussed passionately, with confidence, with great knowledge, and most of all, in the most sophisticated way. So brace yourselves, ladies and gentlemen, because chaos is about to be unleashed. Thing with Tony Khan now being in talks to WWE, I'm going to be honest with you. I spoke to this with Ricky Litwinkowicz, aka the Master of Mayhem, and he honestly believes that me talking about Tony Khan buying WWE is a basically I'm kind of wasting my time because Ricky believes it's never going to happen. Okay. Now I now don't get me wrong, Ricky. I respect his. I respect what he says. He's he could very well be correct. But I got to be honest with you, the fact that Khan is interested in supposedly buying WWE, I mean, to me, that's definitely worth talking about. Now, <laughs> now, I should mention this. Shout out to Ricky, by the way. And I got to mention this, that even Jim Cornette already had something to say. And he said, and I quote, ridiculous to think that could happen, unquote. <laughs> the wrestling fan that's been super supportive of Brody Lee as a wrestler and everything that WWE could have done with him, and, you know, everything that he could have shown and, you know, offered for the wrestling business. You know, for me, I, just, I wasn't just a fan of Brody Lee himself, like, in character. I strongly respected him, you know, as a human being. Like, I had a lot of respect for Jonathan Huber. You know, that's Mr. Brody Lee's real name. So, basically, I had a lot of respect for Brody Lee, Luke Harper, and, of course, Mr. Jonathan Huber particular episode was about world-class championship wrestling and the episode title is you know WCCW wrestling's Lone Star legacy and because I am the bear of Texas and I do hail in from the Dallas Fort Worth area of the state of Texas world-class championship wrestling was basically my territory as far as being a wrestling fan goes ladies and gentlemen Ringside Chaos is available on all streaming platforms, including Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, and YouTube. Oh, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Shooting the Lifestyle. Shout out to my boy, Alex Akazar, the Bear Man of Texas. Uh, Ringside Chaos, because uh, uh, check it out, especially if you watch WrestleMania this weekend. What a what a spectacle. I mean, WrestleMania was great. Night one was fabulous. Night two was good. Uh, then catch the Monday Night Raw. Afterwards, I'll be catching that once I can do this and uh, get caught up on that. But if you want true, authentic wrestling talk, Ringside Chaos is a show for you, so check that out right now. Now that we're back, let's get into the men's. The finale of the men's tournament. And we kicked off with the final four down in Houston, Texas. We had the surprising FAU Owls taking on the surprising San Diego State Aztecs in for a spot in the National Championship game. And as you can notice, it was the San Diego State Aztecs who won that one. On a Lamar Hunt buzzer beater after FAU's attempt to seal the game was blocked. A back and forth affair. It was something to behold. And and FAU had the opportunities. They really did. They had opportunity. They was up double Jesus. I think the lead, the highest the lead was 14 for FAU and they didn't put them, they didn't put them away. They didn't put them away in the second half when they had a 14-point lead. And uh San Diego State kept fighting away and calling on what they call what they called on made best on all season the defense to chip away, to chip away, and they finally they got the opportunity that they needed and they won on a little Martin Butler jumper at the buzzard. Uh FAU shot 44% from the field, as well as San Diego State. FAU shot 40% from three-point range to 50% from, from San Diego State. San Diego State was 9 for 18. 9 for 18. 
turnover were very similar, rebounding was similar, assists were similar, stuff like that. It was very similar. It just that's why the game was back and forth, and you had to wait to the final to the final buzzer to find out who won. Uh, Martin for FAU, 26.7 boards. Johnnell Davis did not have his best game, two for nine from the field, oh, from three from the from three point range, only had eight points. Lamar brother, he didn't have a great game. He just had that game winning shot. He only had nine points, but it was Matt Bradley for uh, San Diego State with 21 points to help bring that charge in for San Diego State to win that game. Congratulations to them. They made their first ever championship game. And who they was going to face? The most dominant team in the tournament, the UConn Huskies. UConn jumped out early on Miami. Miami made a run, but they went right back up with no problem. UConn 72 59. Adama Sadoku, 21 points, 10 boards. Uh, Jordan Hawkins, 13 points. It just, UConn is just different, man. It's just different. They held Miami to 32% shooting from the field, 35% from three, while UConn was 49% from the field and 30, 35% from three. They just ran down. They are rebounding Miami 41 to 32. I rebounded them 28 to 18 on the defensive rebounding side, 19 to 10 and two assists. Uh, it was just, they had five blocks. Miami never led in the game. It just, UConn is just that dominant. And it showed again on Monday. When San Diego State didn't have a chance, they just didn't. UConn, the most dominant team in the land, seventy-six to fifty-nine. This time, you had a full team effort from UConn. Sadoho, seventeen points and boards. Hawkins, sixteen points. New at nineteen points, ten boards. It was a total team. It was a team effort in this regard. Uh. Yeah, San Diego State they have they, they just can't do it. Uh San Diego State led for led by four points was the largest. And UConn led as much as a 17. As you can see, that's how much they won by. UConn held San Diego State to 32% shooting from the field, 26% from three, while UConn shot 43% from the field, 35 from three. I read them by I rebounded them by six on the board, 40 to 34. They had a 30 to 22 advantage on the defensive rebounding, 13 to 7 advantage and assists. Six blocks in this one. It was just remarkable. So uh the fifth time in program history, the Yukon Husky have won in that championship. But before I get to that, uh congratulations to uh ESPN fan. Three nine seven four seven one one six nine one name on is Black Life. Black Life, congratulations on winning the uh, men's Shining Lights Out Challenge. If you also as the I said for the ladies, if you can message me at some point in time, you get your prize. Uh, my boy Tyler Ingram came in second, so I would I would reach out to him to get his information to send him something for coming in second. Very thankful for those who have joined in, who participated in this. It was not easy. This was this was not an easy tournament, as you can see. I mean, we're talking with forming from forming upset in Virginia to Fred Dickinson taking out Purdue, FAU making a run all the way up to the Final Four. Uh, we talk, we talking Miami taking out Houston and Texas. I mean, San Diego State taking out Alabama. It was a crazy tournament. The women's was better. Let's get no doubt. The men's were better, but the men's had their moments as well. We're not going to sit here and act like the men's didn't have their moments. Now, if you ain't like the final four because you only had like one blue blood, which was UConn, I mean, get over it. It was the it's the NCAA tournament. Anything can happen in this tournament. It's a one-game tournament. It's not the NBA playoffs, but it's a seven-game series, and you have to win four games to get past. If you if the best team don't show up on that particular night, they can happen. Purdue got taken out in the first round. Become the second, the second number one seed to lose to a 16 seed on a fifth year anniversary of Virginia game being the first one. And speaking of the Virginia on a fifth year anniversary, they got taken out by Foreman in the first round, a 13 seed. Okay, Creighton made a trip to the Elite Eight for the first time. 
San Diego State made the Elite Eight and took it out of Alabama. FAU to the Final Four. San Diego State to the Final Miami made their first ever Final Four. They had to go through Houston and Texas to get there. It was like the three teams had an easy world. They had to go through some tough challenges. FAU got past a physical Tennessee team and then got past one of the best performer, performing players in the tournament and Marquise Noel and, and Kansas State to get to the Final Four. So this was a – both tournaments were intriguing. It's just the women was more into it. The women's had more of the flair in it than the men. But both tournaments were, were fabulous. Both tournaments were fabulous. So congratulations to the UConn Huskies for winning it. They have opened up the next season as the, as the favorites. Uh, I had that article. Let me give you the uh, odds for that. Give you the actual odds for them to repeat. Which no team has repeated since the Florida Gators did it in 2006, 2007. It says here, Caesar Sportsbooks installs UConn as the favorite to win next season in the NCAA tournament at 12 to 1. Kansas is next at 15 to 1, followed by UCLA and Duke tied at 16 to 1. And then let, finish it off by Kentucky at 18 to 1. So that's one thing. They are already looking at UConn repeating. Purdue center Zach Eady adds to honors with the Wooden Award as the best player of the year. There's no doubt about that. If you've been watching college basketball throughout the whole season, you knew he was going to win it, and there was nobody else involved. Duke freshman Derek Lively II has said he was he were entered the NBA draft after one season with the Duke Blue Devils. He's going pro. Projected somewhere in the first round. He made that lottery, a borderline lottery pick. Borderline lottery pick to me, but we shall see where he goes and how he deals in the workouts. Wisconsin Trey Wayne says he's returning for a field season. That's a good thing for UConn, for Wisconsin. You get one of your uh, top scores back. That should help bring in, that should help get the ship back right to, because when you look at Wisconsin, you think basketball, and they haven't been living up to what they've been doing out of the past years. Continuing on, the National Chamber of the UConn Huskies make plans for the 2024 Maui Invitational. As you can see here, these are the eight teams that are projected to be in the Maui Invitational. Of course, the defending champion of the UConn Huskies, the Colorado Buffaloes, the Dayton Flyers, the Memphis Tigers, North Carolina, Auburn, Iowa State, and Michigan State are the eight teams slated to be in the Maui Invitational coming next season. So that's going to be fun, especially how they do these matches. Who does UConn play first? Who does you know Carolina play first and such and such? Do we get to see a Penny Highway and Bruce Pearl matchup with Auburn and, and Memphis? That's going to be something to see. What if it's Penny Holloway and the Memphis Tiger going against Tom Menzo and, the and Michigan State Spartans? They're saying it's a good matchup. I like what I'm seeing here. Very, very intriguing here that we're seeing this, okay? So I'm looking forward to the Maui invitation to next year because I want to see who matches up against who? And what coaching matchup do we get? Dan Hari versus Hubert Davis, a UConn, North Carolina matchup. Just throwing matchups out there. When they get down to the time, they'll figure it out and get it together, and they'll have it posted and ready for us to talk about. But it's, it's intriguing to think about. It's very intriguing to think about. And shout out to Dayton, representing DA10. They got, they got one major in there. I respect that. Coming to the sea, but you got your blue buzz, you got UConn, you got North Carolina, and you got Michigan State up in there. You got a hall of, you got a to me who should be a Hall of Fame coach in Bruce Pearl in there. Okay. You got Penny Hardaway in there. It's gonna be interesting to watch to see. But that's pretty much all I got for the college basketball side for the men. So one more time. Congratulations to the UConn Hussey, you feel. National championship in, in program history. The second time you have won it in the, the I want to say the fourth time you won it in the state of Texas, and the second time you won it in the city of Houston. Dan Hurley and the Yukon Huskies put on a, a tremendous, tremendous team. A team that, uh, to me, have showed the dominance I have never seen before in the lights in the tournament. I have never seen a team dominate the NCAA tournament like Yukon did, and there was a four seed. They won every game by at least 15 points. That was a truly dominant performance. So congratulations to y'all. Congratulations to Molly Karen, Dan Olowski, 
uh, Ray Allen, any UConn alum, celebrate. Your boys done it. They brought a championship back to the state of Connecticut. Celebrate it. You deserve it. Congratulations. All right, take a break. When we come back, we're going to finish it off with some NBA conversation. The Playmakers blog is proudly to announce that it is sponsored by Fanatics. Fanatics, where you can get all your official license, sports gear, memorabilia, whether it's for the National Football League, the National Basketball Association, Major League Baseball, National Hockey League, or even International Soccer League, or even college sports. So whip your team, whip the hardware, get comfortable, because Fanatics is the way to go. Where sports fans shop and official license everything. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. Swim the Lights are sponsored by Fanatics. And like us, uh, if you heard the opening one, you can get your Division One Women's Basketball Championship gear at Fanatics for the LSU Tiger. If you're an LSU Tiger fan, as well as for the Men's Basketball Championship, if you're a UConn Husky fan, you can get both gears at Fanatics.com. Official license everything. Now that we got that out the way, Let's go ahead and let's get into the NBA because now we are just about there. Somewhere after this weekend, we should be done and we should know who's participating in the play-in and who have playoff spots. So, but before let's do a recap from what took place from Friday, is it Friday already up to today? No, no, we're gonna come back to the last two days. So I wanna say Monday, we saw the Brooklyn Nets get a, get a needed win over the Utah Jazz. Both teams needed it. We saw the Bulls take down the Mrs. Grizzlies. The Atlanta Hawks put a damper on the Dallas Mavericks season. The Bucks handled business against Philly and the Denver Nuggets without no killer Jokic take down the Golden State Warriors, who cannot seem to win on the road. That needs to change quickly. But what took place yesterday was the Minnesota Timberwolves going into the broadcast center and giving the Brooklyn Nets a loss. Joel and B put the sisters on his back to take down one of their biggest rivals in the Boston Celtics. And did yep, and did Joel and B just end the MVP race with that performance last night? I'll let you know a little later. The Atlanta Hawks got a big win over the Chicago Bulls. The Sacramento Kings, excuse me. Got, a, got their 48th win of the season when they went to down to Louisiana to take down the Orleans Pelicans. That win did something for them that I will get to a little bit later. The Los Angeles Lakers got a big win in Salt Lake City. It took them overtime, which could be problematic, but we shall see it tonight. But they got the dub anyway. And Utah is searching, is trying to keep their season alive as much as they can. Because the Thunder are trying to keep this as much alive as they can as they are holding off the Utah Jazz and Dallas Mavericks right now, but they did take an L to the Golden State Warriors. Now, speaking of which, Mike Malone calls out Nuggets after blowout loss to the Rockets. 124 to 103. Uh, to a team that is the worst team in the NBA. That win gave the Houston Rockets their 20th win of the season. They were the let one of the worst teams in the world. They ain't the worst in the world. I need to be Detroit Pistons who was 16 and 63. But the worst team in the West is the Houston Rockets. And they beat you by 21. The team that has the best record in the West. So the team that's at the bottom of the West beat the team who was at the top of the West by 20. One points. This is what happened. This is exactly what happened. Now, I got to go in here. I got to look at why did this happen. Because if Robert Herkaraga, Jokic came back for this game. And if Jokic did come back from this game, I need to find out what happened. Jokic came back, played 25 minutes. 7 for 13 from the field, over 2 from 3. 14 points, 10 boys, 4 assists. Michael Porter and Jones led the way for the team with 23 points and seven boards. Jamar Murray 
only played nine minutes for for whatever reason. That's a concern right there. You only playing nine minutes, and he only gave you two points. But Jalen Green for the Houston Rockets put drop a thirty-two point drop thirty-two points on you. Uh, Kevin Porter Jr. dropped twenty on you. So Gong dropped twenty on you. Kevin Martin Jr. dropped twelve on you. Jabari Smith Jr. dropped sixteen on you. Uh, Easton dropped eleven off the bench. Christopher dropped ten off the bench. Seven guys from Houston had double digits scoring. And it's the Denver Nuggets we're talking about here. The Denver Nuggets, the number one team in the West. Get taken out by the Houston Rockets. This is why Mike Malone's calling y'all out. How y'all lose to the worst team in y'all own conference? How? Nevertheless, it happened. Moving on. Joel and Lee, seven years the past season as Doc Rivers declared MVP race over. And I knew y'all were going to probably ask, what did he actually do against the Boston Celtics? 52 points. 13 rebounds, six assists against the second best team in the East. Matter of fact, the second best team in the NBA because they got the second best record in the NBA, by the way. So not only you did it against the second best team in the East, it's, it's the second best team in the league. And Joel B put that performance up. Give that man the MVP. I voted for him last year, even though I don't have an actual vote per se. But I'm voting for him again this year. Mikhail Yoga is back now winning MVP for a third straight time and Joel and B coming second for a third straight time. Give Joel and B the MVP. 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 That is Joel and B. He is the MVP of the Captain National Basketball Association. Most viable player of the National Basketball Association is Joel and B of the Philadelphia 76ers. And moving on. Andrew Wiggins. Don't think it will be long before return. Which is good news for Golden State if you're going to stay Warriors, man. You're getting Andrew Wiggins, man. The problem is, where is, it, where is he at mentally? Conditionally, where is he at? What's the symbol going to look like? Because if you're the Warriors, you don't have that many games left before playing starts. In the playoffs. So uh, right now, let me find the Warriors schedule real quick so you can see what their last couple of games are. And can he get up to speed quickly enough? So it looks like their next game is not until they play the Kings on the 7th in two days and they finish it off against the Warriors. I mean, against the Trailblazers on the ninth. That's their last game. That's their last games. And they'll either be in the playing spot or they'll be locked up, locked up in the fifth or the sixth seed. That's how tight this race is, and I'm going to show you the sentence in a bit. So, Andrew Williams pretty much going to play two more regular season games, and before you know it, it's going to be playoff time. That's uh, – he's been gone – he missed 22 games now. He ain't going to act like he, he just been gone for a little while, and that was it. He missed 22 games. Yeah. He's been gone for the team for almost two and a half months. No, yeah, almost two and a half months, okay? He's been gone for quite a while, so we it's going to be interesting where he's at mentally and conditionally, physically, okay? Because that was a long layoff that he had. Obviously, for personal reasons that he did not want to share with them, he wanted to keep those private, so we spent the man privacy, even though the media and the rumors circling around put this man through a lot more than what he should have been through. But nevertheless, that's, these things happen. So I'm happy that he's back with the team and that uh, he's going to you gonna go on this ride with your team, but man, I gotta know where he's at because this is not that's not gonna be easy to do. It's not gonna be easy to handle. Okay. It's really not. Look at Dungeon won't be shut down if the Mavs still made the playoffs. I want y'all to put a pin in that because when you say, when I show you the standings, I'm gonna look at their schedule and I'm gonna see if they can do matter of fact. Let me look at their schedule now. I wanna look at Dallas schedule. Let me look at the Mavericks schedule now. That way. We can see what's going to happen. Okay. They're not sure to look down why they still have an opportunity. Okay. That's how y'all feel. Okay. Because that 
Because the more this, the more of what what's been happening keeps happening, y'all might want to shut them down. Because y'all have not won the game. I don't even know the last time y'all won the game right now. Because y'all just been losing. Y'all been free falling like a mud since this Kyrie Irving trade. And I mean streak free falling. I never said team free fall so much like this. I mean, it is y'all just free falling. Free falling all the way down to when you're not even in the plane at the moment. I think right now you are in the 11th spot, if I remember correctly. While well, I look for that, we're going to continue on. Kings beat Pelicans to clinch first Pacific title since 2003. Does a present season of the Sacramento Kings continue? They beat the Pelicans, as I showed you earlier, but I'm showing you again. 121-103 down in New Orleans. They clinched the Pacific title. They won the division title, which means they will be a top four seed. I think they, I think they already clinched the third seed at the very latest. This third seed, so that's gonna be something to behold. Congratulations to Mike Brown, who should be coach of the year. Congratulations to the Sacramento Kings. What a turnaround this has been. Y'all have won forty-eight games this season. It was a remarkable turnaround for what y'all was last year, the year before, and things like that. It was a great job by Mike Brown. Great job by the team led by Sabonis and De'Aaron Fox. I can't wait to watch this team in the playoffs to see how they fare against whoever they face in the first round. Bulls give themselves an opportunity to still play in birth. They, as you can see here, before they played the Hawks, they played the Memphis Grizzlies. They beat the Memphis Grizzlies 128 to 107, which helped them out. They lost to the Hawks last night, but my Magic got beat by Donovan Mitchell and the Cleveland Cavaliers, which clinched it for them. Because officially, my Orlando Magic have been eliminated. And with that being said, the Bulls have made the play. And speaking of Donovan Mitchell, he went off for another 40 burger on us. That is the fourth straight 40 point game Donovan Mitchell has put in his stretch. And during this stretch, he has gave Cleveland a security for seed. So they will have home court advantage in the playoffs for the first round. Congratulations to Cleveland. Congratulations to Donovan Mitchell. Y'all will have home court advantage in the first round. But it looks like y'all might be facing the Knicks at the very least. Speaking of sins, here we are. Here are the teams that are slated to participate in postseason play. Not playoff play, postseason play, okay? As we already know, the Toronto Raptors and the Chicago Bulls will be in a playing tournament. Who are they facing in a playing tournament is still to be determined because, as you can see, the Brooklyn Nets, the Miami Heat, and the Atlanta Hawks are still trying to fight it out from six to eight. Uh, Milwaukee's is already in. They are about a game away from clinching home court advantage throughout the entire playoffs. Boston has clinched the playoff spot. Philly has clinched the playoff spot. They fighting for seeding. Cleveland is fighting for seeding, but they are they will be the four seed at the very latest. New York is stuck at the field seed regardless. Ain't enough games for Brooklyn to catch them, so they're gonna be stuck at the field. My, no, I'll take that back. I think there's a, I think there's a, there's an outside chance Brooklyn can catch them, but I doubt it. So at the very latest, I'm seeing the first round matchup between Brooklyn and Philly, New York and Cleveland. I think that's my first round matches, and we'll see. I'll see if Miami catches Brooklyn or not. But that's the East. The West, however, not so dividend. Denver, Memphis. Sacramento and Phoenix are the only ones who clinch spots. That's your one through four seed right there. Unless something drastic happens with Phoenix and Golden State or the Clippers or the Lakers class Phoenix slipping, that's one through four right there. Denver, Memphis, Sacramento, and Phoenix. Golden State on down is where it all gets fun. Golden State is a half a game ahead of both LA teams, a game and a half ahead of the Pelicans for the fifth spot, which is interesting because the fifth seed is more like a playing Phoenix Suns in the first seed. Kevin Durant versus Golden State will be very intriguing, by the way. Nevertheless, Lakers, Clippers trying to keep themselves out of the playing spot. So, and maybe the sixth seed because you get Sacramento. Everybody wants Sacramento because Sacramento's never been here. 
since 03 or 05, whatever the last time it was in the playoffs. But they've never been this high since they never won the Pacific Division since 03. We're talking two decades. So people feel like this is going to be an easy first round for them. I doubt it because they're the highest scoring team in the goddamn league. It's the Sacramento Kings. So you're going to be in the shootout unless you can clamp down on De'Aaron Fox. Malik Monk. Slow them down. They're not going to be an easy task. They're not going to be an easy task. But as you can see here, you see the Clippers have currently has a sixth spot. They have beat the Lakers 10 straight. And so it means we, we know who holds the top record. Lakers at seven. Pelicans at eight. Minnesota at nine. Oklahoma City at 10. On the outside, trying to fight their way back in is the Dallas Mavericks at 11 and the Utah Jazz at 12. Speaking of the Dallas Mavericks, they have three games left. Tonight, they have, a, they have a battle with Sacramento. On the seventh, they have a date with the Chicago Bulls, and they finish out the season against the San Antonio Spurs. Just throwing it out there. The Jazz, the Jazz have to contend with. They have to contend with the Oklahoma City Thunder tomorrow. The Denver Nuggets on the eighth. And the Los Angeles Lakers on the ninth. I don't know. I just don't know. But and like everything's up still up for grass. So the West is gonna be the wild wild west continuing on because it's not nothing is guaranteed, okay? Nothing is guaranteed. Speaking of which, tonight's our key matchup, New York Knicks versus the Indiana Pacers. The Toronto Raptors is in TD Garden to take on the Boston Celtics, and the Chicago Bulls take the trip to Madison, Wisconsin, to face off to face off against the top team in all of the NBA, the Milwaukee Bucks. Continue on, you have the Memphis Grizzlies down in the Big Easy to take on the New Orleans Pelicans, as I mentioned just a few minutes ago. The Sacramento Kings in the city, a big D to take on the Dallas Mavericks, but the game that everybody will be tuning into tonight. The Battle for LA, the last and final part of this season. Clippers have won 10 in a row to the Lakers, looking to make it 11. As LeBron James and Anthony Davis are trying to finally end this whole horrific streak of losing to the Clippers of Coraline and Paul George. Can they do it tonight with this new look Lakers? This is the first time both teams faced each other since trades. Since the trade. So this is a new look Lakers team. And this is the first time they get to see Russell Respa as a Clipper. There's gonna be a game to watch. ESPN 10 p.m. after Bulls and Bucks. That's tonight, ladies and gentlemen. Tomorrow, TNT as your doubleheader. Miami is at Philly to begin it off. You have OKC at the Jazz, but that's going to be a good one. But your doubleheader, but your second of your doubleheader on TNT is the Denver Nuggets against the Phoenix Suns. This is the first time Denver we meet in. The Phoenix Suns with Kevin Durant on the team. So that's going to be something to behold and to watch as well. That's tomorrow. And then we get to Friday. We're going to kick it off with the 76ers at the Atlanta Hawks. Toronto Raptors with a second day at TD Garden with the Boston Celtics. The Memphis Grizzlies on NBA TV against the Milwaukee Bucks. New York Knicks against the New Orleans Pelicans. Chicago Bulls against the Dallas Mavericks. Warriors and Kings meet in Sacramento. And your second part of your doubleheader on NBA TV is Suns and Lakers at Crypto.com Arena. So, ladies and gentlemen, we are here. It is the final stretch of the regular season. Because after this weekend, Easter weekend, that is, it's play-in time and playoff time. That's all I got for you today. Thank you for tuning in. I'm the Playmaker. I hear Jessica Florida. I'll catch y'all next week for shooting. Lights out. Good. You've done great. But you can't stop here. You can't stop now. You got to keep going. Through all your trials and your tribulations, you got to keep pushing. Now, finish your camp. Yeah. Gotta get it out the mud, that's the only way to win Who am I to point the finger like I never ever seen Been through the ups and downs
Thank you for tuning in today's episode. If you want to follow the podcast, you can follow it on all streaming platforms, including Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and a whole lot more. This has been Shooting the Lights Out. Masterpiece.